nobody knows what you are. I was concerned about going out into the world and doing something bigger than myself until someone smarter than myself made me realize there is nothing bigger than myself. If you don't believe, nobody else is gonna believe. To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Paper Trolls podcast. I'm your host, Shimaki, also known as Sharks' Polaroid. And today I'm with a very special guest, uh, incredible writer, uh, I have to say. She goes by the name Sarah Jafari. She is a British-Iranian writer whose work has been long-listed for Spread the World's Life Writing Prize and published in Galdam and a Good Journal. She is a contributor to I Will Not Be Erased and the romance anthology Who's Loving You? Sarah also runs Token Magazine, which showcases writing and artwork by underrepresented writers and artists. And um, I wanted to say thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, no, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that because it was, it, was, it was like a message and you hadn't really seen any our stuff we haven't posted for a little for quite some time. And uh, obviously you were gracious enough to actually want to come on. And um, to be fair, I think the, the pleasure was mine because the book that we'll be discussing today is People Change. Um, which was an incredible book, I have to say. Um, but obviously, we'll talk about that later on. First, I just kind of wanted to know your, like, I guess, early introductions into sort of creativity. Like, what was the first kind of story that you heard that really inspired you or the first film that you saw that made you go, oh, wow, this is, like, this is amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've mentioned it before, Um and it is a bit cringe, but I think it was Twilight, the film, <laughs> that got me oh, into goodness. writing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was mainly, I enjoyed reading before then. <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed reading before then, um, to an extent. Yeah. But I think when I saw the film, I was obviously very enamoured with it. So then I read the books. Yeah. I'd never <laughs> been so into reading before when I'd read those series of books. Um and I think it really like opened a gateway into like writing for me because then I kind of ended up writing like my own stories like off the back of that and also reading more like fantasy romance as a result of it. So I, I think I know which, it's not which, very like... <laughs> uh, which Twilight one was it? Was it the first one? So, yes, yeah, so I, I saw the first one in the cinema and then I ended up reading the rest of them like back to back. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That was very interesting. It kind of opened the whole genre for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, no judgments here. I mean, <laughs> was it the was it the way that like he kind of saved her from the car that was about to crash them that made you go, "Wow, this is something new. I've never seen this before." <laughs> I think that I don't know. I think I think it, a lot of people were really into it. There was something about it. I think. Yeah. I don't know what it was about Twilight that really worked for everyone. Yeah. I think maybe the moodiness of it, maybe. Um, probably, probably. That sort of teenage yeah. angst. Yeah. Kind of, you know, it's very, it very Tumblr. That's very, what it feels like. It feels like. Tumblr era as well when it came out. Yeah. And, and, and for some reason, whenever I think of Twilight, I always think of like Wattpad. Yeah. Do you have a Wattpad era as well? I didn't have a Wattpad. I, just, I don't know. I had something. I don't actually know what it was called, but I did write like yeah. Twilight fan fiction. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think it was Wattpad. I don't know what it was. It was something. And I think it was really like me. Like. 
No, that's it. You know what? That's... That was it. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? On this podcast, we 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 absolutely encourage honesty and 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 you know some people people being transparent. This that's a great answer because obviously, um, I think that's the kind of thing with creativity and 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 with stories and I'll say art in general. Um, it's kind of a thing of because I tried to watch Twilight. Um, mm. and I remember I saw I went to see the second one in the cinema mm-hmm. and I think I lasted about 15 minutes of it really? but then to know that obviously you were so inspired by it you started writing and I'm guessing you had t-shirts and, and posters I, on the wall I went to saw it in the cinema three times not three once, ta- what, not to watch the same one? the same one, the first one and each time yeah. it was just logical <laughs> Now I don't think I could watch it. I don't think I could watch it now. Well, no, I could watch it now. Yeah, I yeah, no. It now. It yeah no, of course. It must have been really, you know, just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's kind of like, it's... It kind of brings me back to, to that point I was saying. It's kind of like how everyone kind of had pinpoints their own thing that really resonates with them and that makes them actually enjoy... Um, what they are seeing you know mm. whether it is a movie or, or reading a book and um mm. it's kind of interesting in a sense how much um like growing up despite us not really knowing it we actually kind of need art mm. and it's a weird one because it's kind of like um obviously you're taught you need shelter food water all of this kind of thing but then you see this craving that us as humans have for art whether it's literature or whatever it's thing and it's kind of interesting I just kind of wanted to know your thought on that like what is it that kind of lures us towards it yeah in a way because it's kind of a bit sometimes like to someone where if they see like a painting on the wall and it's just a blob like a red blob they might be like oh it's a bit superficial you know the artist might be like the red thing symbolizes life and eternity but then someone be like okay yeah sure but then to someone else they might be like oh wow this is you know this is everything and uh, I kind of wanted to, I guess, know more on your perspective of kind of what lures people towards art and creativity. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us are like drawn to like the arts because it, we can help us like see ourselves and yeah. also learn more about ourselves. And I guess that's like yeah. for reading specifically. I think that's what I think a lot of people get from it. It's like relating yeah. to characters, or I don't know, or escaping. Actually, so it's like completely different. Yeah. I think. Whereas, like, with art, I'm not really, like, an artsy person. Like, mm. when you said like, Red Blob, like, I wouldn't get it either. But yeah, I imagine yeah, yeah. work differently, that maybe they are more visual. Maybe they wouldn't as well to reading. But if they see something, it might, I don't know, conjure something. It might, them. yeah. Like, some of the stuff that you see in Tate and Modern, you're kind of like, oh, what does this mean? But then, you know, you'll see a lot of people standing around there. And, but kind of crazy thing is everyone's getting a different meaning from it which is mm. like the craziest thing. And sometimes it's different to even what the person that made it was probably yeah. thinking towards it, yeah. you know? That's um, what makes it interesting, isn't it? I guess yeah. once you out something, it's not yours anymore, so everyone can interpret yeah. it. That's low-key of- amazing as well, though. Yeah. To, especially if you have people like having discussions about it and, and all of that. Like, for example, I mean, even like I said, for your book, the fact that it brought out so many questions that I even started looking at myself and my current situations and you know thinking about it in in that way um 
it's kind of like it, it's crazy how much we seek art in a way not mm-hmm. just art in terms of like paintings but like the whole thing in general um, yeah, it's because we're trying to understand ourselves i think personally like it's such a weird like i think that the world is just weird like why why are we here what are we doing because i feel like art is the way to understand it more and understand ourselves i think as you get older yeah. as well it's really like think life is weird mm. uh, you can get quite existential so i think no yeah of course you <laughs> do there's a certain part that just hits you where it turns where instagram quotes kind of go from being a bit cringy to being like oh that's what that means you know and and it's, it's yeah yeah you're like oh my goodness yeah i mean i'll i'll i couldn't be an instagram person but like instagram poster uh in terms of captions but i do i do like them yeah. you know um <laughs> but to kind of go back to your obviously twilight starting your one of you know creating fan fiction and and this and that how did that go from how did you go from there to like kind of writing your first book uh mismatch yeah so i then wrote another book um in in my teens i actually wrote an actual book full length okay which kind of was it had like elements of twilight in it but i think the difference was that it because i come i come from a muslim background and I'm also yeah. Iranian, and I lived in Hull for most of my life, which is like was very mm. white at that time. Yeah, I kind of really wanted essentially like a British Iranian Muslim twilight is what I really wanted. So that's kind of what I ended up okay. writing. Yeah, <laughs> and that was like my first story <laughs> writing. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously I wrote a full length book, and then went to uni. Can I? Can we, can we hear like a little premise of the book? <laughs> the first one. <laughs> I'm kind of interested it's in a cultural it's... vampire. Well, no, it's were <laughs> witches and wizards. So it wasn't like Harry Potter. It was like you were like, yeah. <laughs> like everyone, there was this like race of people that had magical powers, essentially. Yeah. And there was this yeah. like British Indian Muslim girl who ended up falling in love with this new guy at school. Or, like she fancied, it was very twilight. Like, I'm pretty sure he saved her yeah. in a car. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that different. <laughs> You put the car scene in there. No, it was different because someone was going after her and then he had to stop yeah. it with his power. Yeah. It was more of a car accident yeah. crash there. Nah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like he's destined to be with her. <laughs> I don't know. I think he converts to Islam by the end or something. It's just very... Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, we love, we love a bit of that. <laughs> that, was, that was obviously that book. <laughs> obviously nowhere because it was yeah. nothing and then i went to uni and i wrote another novella not with magic elements this time and then when i graduated uni i did have a few years where i wasn't writing really anything long and i kind of guess i had a similar thing to the character in the first book the mismatch where she kind of feels a bit lost in her 20s like early 20s yeah and then i don't know i think i just saw someone online had written and published a book and it kind of made me think maybe I could do it like I don't know why that inspired yeah, me yeah. but I just yeah. saw made it seem not that it was the most impossible thing yeah and then I was like, like it's attainable yeah like I think before that yeah. it seemed very impossible like how would you get a book yeah. it seemed just I think she I think this girl specifically was like kind of talking about the how to get published online quite openly yeah 
that make because if you think like... getting published does feel like something that's like large and like if yeah, you if you yeah. do get published then it's like oh my god how how did this person do it you yeah. know like you have to go through agents and then they have to put your manuscript out and then you know yeah so like i said yeah to get to it yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, like i said i was I, I, there was a point where i wanted to also publish mm. but then it felt so daunting in a sense and i think probably if i saw someone like that then it mm. probably would have made me think oh you know what? actually it is quite attainable yeah yeah but sorry go on as you <laughs> no my, my story and then, told you. And then <laughs> at that point i was working in a job like an office job um a romance publisher and then I, was, I really, I think, I think I felt a bit lost. Like, how do you actually write a book? It felt like, again, like I'd obviously done it as a teenager, but that felt different. I don't know. Obviously, it was just kind of like, I guess it was more for pleasure where I was taking it a bit more seriously this time. Um, and I wanted to do a master's in creative writing, but my employer wouldn't let me do half a day less a week or a day less a week. So I ended up doing a Faber Academy course, which is, it's quite costly, um, but it's like a month course where it's basically the concept is you write a book in that six months is what they okay yeah um yeah. So i ended up writing the majority of it during that period the first draft yeah. of it it was of, helpful of which book the mismatch mismatch yeah the mismatch okay wow yeah um, and then i think i spent like a year editing it after that and then yeah i think there was a lot of edits so even though i wrote it in like six months <laughs> yeah just a lot of edits after that um yeah no, of course the reason i wrote it um <laughs> the reason i wrote it i think i think it was mainly because i didn't see myself in the books i was reading like at all mm, growing yeah. up like, even in adulthood like i still don't see iranian british iranian books even now being published like yeah. I, know, I know of a few but there's not many so i kind of felt like i wasn't really seeing myself in the books i was reading yeah. and i just wanted to kind of put like some of my experiences into a book um so in the mismatch you kind of get two perspectives one is um the character's mother neda in 1970s iran and kind of it shows you kind of the iranian revolution and kind of her immigrating to the uk and just kind of like her journey and then you also see her daughter who's like obviously a child of immigrants um and is kind of struggling with like religious guilt and kind of like doesn't know where she is in her 20s so it kind of was like some of the things i was going through yeah. and i guess some of it was like my own family's like some of their big like history and details i kind of wanted to put into a story yeah <laughs> Damn. and and you actually wrote that the first part in six months yeah. like as in from like sort of you had the beginning to the end even though it wasn't obviously edited or anything like but you had the the actual skeleton of the story done yeah, six months. yeah yeah that's actually incredible how many pages was it so i think it's a, i mean i've got it i've only got the mismatch with me but i think it's a long book you know yeah that's a good but that's actually pretty good in six months yeah i think if you think i think i used to be like that but i actually think if you write i think i was writing because like the reason why i'm so like kind of so surprised by that is kind of like how did you continue like not continue writing but with me like i always restart the first chapter a thousand times yeah and then and then if i'm happy with it then i'll write the second one then i might be like oh but this isn't you know then yeah. i leave it for a while then i come back to it and i'm like oh the whole thing isn't good was it kind of because you paid i guess for the course and you kind of had to do it that that's why you kept going or was it kind of used into it and you thought this is this is actually pretty good i think to be honest i do think the, it was mainly the first thing that you said i think it was yeah 
I'll be transparent. I think it was like four thousand pounds, which is a lot of money, and that was like yeah. my savings. Um, and I just Ooh. kind of feel like I've given this money, like I have to do it now because it'd be yeah, yeah. especially for some savings. Yeah. <laughs> so like some people do courses, and maybe they're already really rich. So it's kind of like, oh, whatever, like it's fun. Yeah. I was kind of like, no, like I need to get this money back sometimes. Everything, yeah. <laughs> So I was like, really wanted to take it seriously. And I was like, I have to by the six months. Yeah. And I guess what's great about doing courses, like obviously there are cheaper courses, which I think, you know, I think people should do. I wouldn't necessarily recommend yeah. that either. But I think what was good about it is like, there would be some weeks where some of us were like, oh, we, we don't know what we're doing anymore. Like we want to kind of mm. start again, like you were saying. Yeah. And people would kind of be the ones to be like, no, like <laughs> you need to like, just keep going with it. Yeah. Like, I think, I think personally, if you're like struggling with the issue that you had, it's just easier to just, I guess, force yourself to write. Don't look back, basically. Just keep writing. Mm. And then, you know, in six months, seven months, you can go back and actually edit it. But like, I think you just need the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it also makes it hard to kick it off if you have nothing there. Yeah. As in, if you're still on chapter one, then you're like, well, just you can leave it longer off to you might come back for another two years because it's like oh, i haven't done anything anyway yeah and like if you think also giving yourself like deadlines like i would say when i was in the course you have to write i have to write five thousand words a week and then obviously if you just count yeah. those five thousand words a week it ends up being a book within yeah five thousand words a week yeah well, now i don't know if i could do now i don't even work full-time and i think that feels like too much but then it yeah but it then like yeah yeah no obviously and that was that was your first book as well um do you still feel like that kind of now or do you feel like you have a more easier pattern in kind of doing your your work I do like as a like- as a writer I was sorry I was just going to say because as a writer like is it a thing where let's say a publishing house kind of says okay we want this how many books or is it you just decide when to do a book so how it works is, so like for the first book I wrote, I had no deal. I obviously don't have an agent at that point either. So when I ended up getting an agent and then getting a deal, I think they offered for one book, one publisher, another one offered for two. So I ended up asking my current publisher if they could offer for two because I kind of wanted the security of a two book deal. So then that was like locked in. Where I am now is I have written the third book, a draft, and I don't have a deal. So I think my agent would have to go out it's kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. I still send it to my current publisher but I guess I guarantee what the situation will be and then I guess you know you might get a one book or a two book deal from that so it's kind of just I think it does vary some people end up getting the pen didn't it without having to write the full book again but I think the one writing in the third is in a different genre and that's when things get a bit weird in publishing where like you couldn't yeah. you can't really write like romance books and then say you want to do a thriller and people be like, fine, yeah. that's fine. And then you'd have to write the thriller in full, for example. And then okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It again, the same one, you'd have to go to a different one. It's, they kind of put you in a box, basically. Yeah, not good, because it kind of brings me up to, like, asking kind of again back towards, like, the sort of the whole art and the creativity aspect of it. Because it's kind of like, let's say if you were given, like, a five-year, like, not five-year, I mean, like a free book deal where they want expect you to make free books at one point at what point does it kind of go from kind of doing it because you kind of like write 
enjoy writing and telling stories to like oh this is a job where i have to just fill the words and it kind of becomes not as enjoyable as it initially was yeah. like i feel like because if if i was forced okay yeah we want it by like it's like let's say it's february they go okay we want it by december mm. then it's like oh uh, then you know what i mean it's just kind of like how do you how does creativity then flow when you're kind of in that state yeah I think that you're right I think it does start to feel more like a job I think once you have a contract from my perspective it starts to feel more like a job I think it's always more fun when you haven't got any expectation on you I think yeah 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 once you say that like yeah they want it by this date and you know people will read it and you know you'll have like like it gets a bit more like pressure yeah 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 I don't really know what the solution to that is I think I think you just need to like take your time with it really I think mm. or try not to think about what people will think about it because that's the yeah. best the why why writing is so amazing before you get any deals is because you are just writing for yourself and kind of like a story yeah. you want to write um, yeah. I think when you start writing for someone then it starts to become less fun so I think you just need to kind of try and get it out of your head uh, yeah just yeah. to sort of just write something again that you'd want to either see or something that you'd want to read yeah, that's yeah, actually a great yeah. bit of advice but i think yeah. the problem is with publishing to be realistic is yeah. i think you have like a two book deal but the second book like they will steer you in a direction so you don't have as much mm. creative like control yeah as you did for the first. i feel like it feels like when musicians have to make like an album or something mm-hmm. and then if they want to go completely different to their first one then they're like uh we don't really know that the audience knows you as this kind of brand, you know, if you're like an emo rock band and you want to now do like pop, it's like, uh, I don't know if that's going to work. You know, you have to kind of do, is it kind of, it's, yeah, it's similar, it would be kind of similar to that. Very similar. Yeah. yeah, very similar. And like you, some people change their name for different books. So they'll have like a pseudonym, like oh. if they're writing like a different genre yeah, with a pseudonym. So like they don't get their brands confused. People that oh, get that's actually interesting, yeah. So that, there's a whole write, different identity. I think if you write literary fiction, it's a bit different. I think it's more like you know, like genre fictions, like romance, thriller, crime. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> they're more like I think you have to like have a you, they have a brand. Whereas I think with literary fiction, you kind of cross into different things, like different, and I think that's fine. So I think it is more of a genre fiction. Because obviously, I mean, that's kind of how it happens, especially with any creative. They kind of want to switch about, you know, they kind of want to write one day about, you know, people with magical powers and, you know, love and teenage love to, you know, people change. Yeah. Which is completely. (laughs) But you know what? Like, that's that's what it is, because it's kind of, I guess, there to allow that creative freedom. But. My thing, the reason why I even brought it up is because mm. it kind of feels weird when you're controlled to do something creative. Like, I can't, like, if I was, let's say, a painter and someone told me you have to paint something every month, mm. I'll just freak out. I wouldn't know what to do. I'll just be like, because now it feels like every idea has to be a good idea. You don't have that freedom to just kind of spend six months on an idea and then go, oh, okay, maybe I don't like this. And then, you know, yeah. um, but no, that's really interesting because, like I said, we've we've got another writer as well in the group, and obviously mm-hmm. myself that has been trying to uh, get into it, and I sort of 
was it because of the um what's it called the course that you were able to get published or did you still have to find an agent afterwards yes i still had to find an agent afterwards um so kind of the journey with that was yeah. i think i was actually quite lucky with that i mean i will caveat by saying <laughs> that, that a note that weird book that i wrote when i was a teenager i did try yeah. and send it to agents when i was at uni and obviously i did not yeah. get with that so I was kind of well, well aware that it was cold out there like it wasn't going to be nice yeah 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 <laughs> so with the course they had what like, did, uh, sorry what did they do did they just send you an email back or did they send the manuscript back or you just hear nothing so when I did the first book I ever wrote you had to send the manuscript in paper form via yeah. and send it in post so yeah. just back to you in the post with maybe like okay. a being like <laughs> yeah, thanks type thing yeah so that so that i think that was a different time though that was like 2013 or something yeah, yeah, yeah. for the mismatch which actually came out um at the end of the course they had like an open day where like editors and agents would come and you'd read out an excerpt from your book yeah. and it was kind of like it was quite a big deal in the in the course yeah there were rumors of like some big agents coming and then they'd like offer representation to people okay but yeah everyone kind of, it was quite like a hyped moment where you'd kind of think yeah. oh, what happened during this like thing i mean the reality is like not a lot really happened <laughs> um, but like so, some agents did, <laughs> some agents did speak to us and one did speak to me and said like she'd like kind of like she'd like to see the book when it's when it's like ready so i ended up sending it to her and i think i sent it to like maybe 15 other agents um and obviously I got a few rejections the first agent from the open day said read it and said she'd like she'd like to basically represent me type thing and then I told the others and then I got two others that offered so I had three in the end um but when they kind of reject you like some of them give reasons the majority don't they just kind of say like not for me um so obviously it can be quite hard if you don't get any offers to know kind of what what would be like what's working and what's not I guess it's just because agents are so busy yeah. them to give feedback. Um, yeah. yeah, then I had to like decide between three. I think it was quite an easy decision in the end. Like once you chat with people, you realise like whose vision mm. is the same as yours and things like that. Yeah, like who actually cares about this this book and is actually willing to push it out there. Yeah, and I think even beyond that, I think something that I wish I had this learned advice I would give to authors who are just like thinking about going with agents is also to like just ask them how they would position your book and like what where do they see it in like a bookshop for example because my book book, I think I think it could go in many directions any book can really but I think if you're more like crossover like I think some of the agents had visions like to make it be really romance and some had it kind of visions to make it more literary or like I think Mm finding out how what the agent how what they think about the book in terms of like okay how they yeah 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 that's quite important because then when they present it to the publisher that's how the publisher will see it so it all kind of see, stems yeah. basically i think it's important ah, to find that's out. actually a really good point because mm. then that kind of makes it easy as well for the publisher to know where to kind of put the book as well rather yeah. than them also having to try and figure out oh is this this is it that the agent will usually send like a kind of like a blurb to the editors and they'll have like a one-line pitch so they'll say it's like the a rom-com and they'll use like comparison titles they might say it's like twilight meets yeah. I don't know, another <laughs> and i guess 
from there, that's how the publishers will see the book. Like they're going to see yeah. that, and they'll say, "This is what the book is." I think it is quite important to be kind of on the same page yeah. with that. Uh, you know what? I kind of, I'm definitely going to be reading Mismatch after this, especially after you know reading your know, incredible book, People Change, which I really want to get into because like i said i thoroughly enjoyed it and i and i i mean that because it's been a while since i've actually read a book and we had the big hiatus from this podcast you know friends decided to get married and all that boring stuff so things had to be put on hold um so it's been like a a long time since i read it and then this was so easy for me to get back Mm -hmm. into that um it didn't feel like a chore at all and uh it felt like a a mix between sort of like well for me like flea bag and um normal people i don't have you seen it or did you say you haven't no No? oh my gosh yeah you should definitely see it you should definitely see i think you'd really enjoy it um because essentially it is about um you know a girl that lives in London, very quirky as well. Uh, and it's kind of, it's lighthearted, it's funny. It's, it's great storytelling as well. And um, Normal People, have you seen Normal People? Yeah, I like Normal yeah, People. Yeah, Normal People was also elite. <laughs> so it was kind of like that. Uh, that's what, I think that that blend as well really amped it for me. Um, and it, it felt really like, it felt like a really refreshing book in the sense of, it wasn't from what I read before, like the sort of cliche romance. It, it felt very modern. It felt like it felt different. It felt like it was um, something that that wasn't too forced upon. You, even though a lot of it is between the two characters um, and how they feel towards each other, it wasn't necessarily that was the thing that was in your face all the time. Like this is a romance. Look how lovey dovey it can get. It was like real. And it was something that a lot of people could obviously relate to. So that's how I would, I guess, describe the book. Um, I just wanted to know from your own words how you would describe your book. Yeah, I think you described it really well. Um, In terms of how I would describe it, I think essentially it's a story about a girl called Shireen who is trying to kind of, I guess she's in her like late 20s and she's trying, she's kind of in her dream job and, well, her dream job, she thinks it's her dream job. And it's all about kind yeah. of like recalibrating what you thought your dream was in your when you were a teenager, like what you thought would make you happy in your twenties to actually what makes you happy. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's also about kind of like how like I guess past traumas can really like affect us in adulthood as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it is like it has kind of like a romance thread throughout. Um, but I think a lot of it is about finding yourself and. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that because like i like i said before as well like um before we jumped on it, it also had that sort of how i met your mother feel um for me in the sense of like because a lot of them are kind of going into like they start off in their late 20s and they're just going through that transitional period into i guess what people say adulthood um and them just trying to figure themselves out and there's one part in it where one of the characters, Lily, she as a kid um, wanted to be an artist. Mm. Like that was her dream, like oh, yeah. job. 
that she wanted to become. But then eventually she settled for being a teacher. Um, and it's kind of like that. It was kind of like um, that we might not necessarily always get to the point that we always thought we would when we were younger. And in life, it happens that you might have to settle for for something else. And that kind of realization and that moment of, okay, cool, this is where everything is for me right now. Yeah. And the, again, the reason why I said how my mother is also the similarities in terms of he always speaks from the past tense. Everything that you're being shown is from what happened before in his life. Um, mm-hmm. And in your book, you like beautifully done it in a way where you go from the present and then where little you know you're teasing us with like these little words and little things of like how she's feeling but not fully conveying it and then you kind of go back to the past and then you slowly show us more and more of why she's Mm. feeling like this and Mm. like you said a lot of how the past actually affects our, our future um which is something you don't realize until you get older you know, which is the craziest part because yeah. you never kind of know as a kid that what you're going through, you just think you're just a kid, but you don't know what you're going through is going to ultimately shape up of when you finally have a bigger picture of where you are and who you are as a person. Mm. Um, and yeah, like I said, it was incredible the way you were able to kind of sift through the, the past and the present. And I, but before we get into that, I wanted to know how did the idea for this book come about? Yeah, it was a it was quite a hard one. Like I, I think with the first book it came very naturally. I think there is like a thing called second book syndrome where like the yeah. ideas weren't really coming. And I was meant yeah. to write a different book, which was like nothing to do with this. Um, and then I ended up writing the very last chapter of this. People change. I wrote that just okay. that was the first chapter I'd written. Um, obviously yeah. going a bit away, but it's, it's just like a part scene, basically. Um, and yeah. I, I didn't actually know why that there were. I, mean, I don't want to give it away, but essentially, like there was like a tension in the story, and I didn't know why there was a tension. Yeah. Like, when I wrote it, I was like, I don't know what's happened between them, but something's happened. Yeah, um, stuff has so happened. I, was, I said that to my publisher. <laughs> something's, something's going on, and I was like, I actually don't know what's <laughs> happened between them. I need to figure that out. Um, I ended up sending that to my publishers that that chapter, and I guess a rough idea, and they were quite keen on that. So I actually, ended up rerouting to that. Um, but I think at the time I was working in publishing, so I was working. Mm. I don't, I've worked in publishing for most of my twenties, um, and I wrote the book during the pandemic. So I think everything was quite heightened in the pandemic, like, yeah. and I guess like microaggressions in publishing are just it's everywhere well I guess it's everywhere in the workplace but in publishing it feels quite I think in publishing it feels quite wrong because I guess you wouldn't think it like in publishing it everyone feels very like liberal and like kind of like I don't know like they shouldn't be saying the things that they say I feel yeah. like that can be quite jarring sometimes yeah no because um, I wanted to even that, ask you that but, yeah no sorry I'll ask about the, the yeah about the whole microaggression thing and the interesting kind of thing that obviously you highlight in the book as well about the whole you know diversity and you know the speak up and um and the the tweet that I sent you um that was kind of we're looking for diverse authors we're looking for these like I was just kind of thinking I don't really see that in other job mediums or like other job places where it's such a big like where they're openly asking for more representation um 
And I kind of wanted to talk a bit more about those microaggressions that actually occur in in the publishing houses. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I guess like in the book you do see, basically, the character Shireen works in publishing and she's facing the microaggressions like you were saying. Um, But I guess in publishing, I I think it is like any workplace, but I guess it's quite frustrating because like you were saying with the tweet, there is a lot of they hire they always say they want to hire more diversely and be more inclusive but i feel like the turnover of staff firstly is quite poor like these people who are like diverse like they're not leaving because it's actually not that great of an environment to work in so they just keep like okay, i guess yeah. you know, like it's always like kind of bottom staff they keep getting new ones yeah. in and i don't know i just see through the years like myself included that we all end up leaving for various reasons not necessarily well, is it kind of like bad, being like... undermined? Or is mm. it like, like what kind of like what kind? Yeah. Or is it just like everyday mm. microaggressions like that how... build up? I think it's small, small things that do build up. Or like sometimes it's big things, but like you'll see in the book, like mm. some of the things in the book are kind of things that happen to either me or like, or maybe like colleagues or like, not colleagues, or like, because I obviously know loads of people at different publishing houses, like you hear things yeah. happened. So like maybe people get you mixed up a lot and you're literally different, two different races that can happen quite a lot <laughs> and it's like why is this happening <laughs> or like you might be expected to kind of just do more well, they ask you to look and find more like diverse authors or you kind of get more of the burden of trying to like make them more inclusive without any pay yeah. without any anything just because you're like one of few ethnic minorities in the team or I, yeah. I don't know I just think yeah, it's just little, little things. And obviously they are microaggressions. They are small, um, but they can mm. build over time and it can be quite... Yeah, no, of course. But I mean, I do think... You kind of get that sense. I've been quite lucky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to I think the video <laughs> went a bit off. Um, but I was yeah. going to say, just in my job, I think I've been quite lucky. I've not had it too hard. But I guess, yeah, I think just from things I've heard as well. Um, yeah. Quite rough. Yeah, no, because no. it's 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 actually interesting because it's like, I guess you feel it because you kind you kind of know that you're like being used as a token, mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. someone that's here to sort of like fill a quota. And coming in with that kind of premise, yeah. you're just kind of like, oh, this is a bit. Am I? Is this on merit or is this on, you know, and uh, like. Even when it comes, I think sometimes there was people that was having there was like a, a discussion on Twitter about um, like publishers, the way the the edits of the covers of the books that they put out. That if it's like an ethnic author or black author, where I don't know, they kind of showed it was like four different pictures and all the books kind of looked the same even though it was about completely different things where it was like this sort of minimal design of like maybe lines and like a bright purple or something yeah. i was kind of looking through it and i was like oh wow this is quite a similar that it's just like oh it's this person's book let's just put it in this kind of thing and i wanted to know like a bit more but does that actually happen or is it like a very common thing where they kind of make all the i guess minorities books all kind of look the same i don't think it's i mean i don't i don't know necessarily from working in publishing 
I don't think the publishers I worked in did that necessarily because I worked in children's. Yeah. So I think they were quite differently. But I guess my observation yeah. publishing is they often mimic other covers that are doing well. So like, okay, I don't know if you've yeah. seen like the Vanishing Half, the Vanishing Half. It's called by Britt Bennett. I feel no. like that's quite an abstract cover. That book did quite well. So then I think other publishers might copy it for other books by like Black Authors, for example. Yeah. And I feel like a, a lot of it is mimicking other covers that have done well. Or as you were saying, it might be mm. that they just don't know how to accurately like portray the cover. So they're just doing like abstract yeah. like lines. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm just, saying. Like, yeah. Because the pictures I saw were so similar that <laughs> you'd almost think it was one person's book, but just different variations of it. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the quote it tweet that was around it was like, Oh no! So I was just gonna say again. The quote to you around it was like, "Oh, the amount of times that I haven't picked up these kind of books, but probably missed out on great stories because mm-hmm. of, I guess, how they have been published." Yeah, it's such a shame. I think the package is so important, and I guess also, like, if you think yeah. about it, if like the publisher's not very diverse in their workforce mm. i mean that obviously trickles into design as well so like who is designing the books yeah. they could be so different yeah. from the culture of the author it's a, like, it's a great point yeah it. yeah because i guess it's just not just edits i always think oh, it's just editors but it's not just editors it's like the whole workforce. the whole thing yeah 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 that's a good point actually because it could yeah. come into the hands of someone that actually doesn't know how to put this thing up and then, like you said, they probably just saw mm. how someone else's worked and thought, you know what, let's just put it the same way and hopefully no one notices. <laughs> but I do think there is like a, there is a logic from their perspective. Because I remember I saw also a tweet and it, I think it might have been a similar one, but they were saying the reason that they make covers so similar is that like, if you liked this book with the abstract cover, you'll just buy the other one because you're like, oh, I liked that one and they look so similar. So you're just picking them up. Yeah. So I guess that's their logic okay. of it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more similar. of a You'll consumer-based thing. Mm. Yeah. So that's what it is. But I think there's probably more to it. I'm just not sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, of course. I, that, that 100% has to be. And I think sometimes, to be fair, though, it is kind of an interesting thing of how would someone publish it like if they ask me for example how do you want your cover to look like i probably wouldn't have the slightest clue of how i'd want it to to be i might have some idea but it would be like for for example like for me if i was in a library i'll probably pick up something that was just black nothing on there just really? straight just black <laughs> i'll just be like what is this and then i'll kind of maybe read the blurb i see yeah so this is so you're more interested in kind of like you don't want to be told what it is on the cover you just want to feel like yeah in in a way because it's kind of like it it might be it might be bad but like i kind of have a set of different genres like for example if it's like a kind of wizarding kind of thing with superpowers i'm kind of like ah i've got harry potter for that another like medieval kind of one like, oh, i've got lord of the rings for that but then it might just be a case of like finding a whole different genre that you know mm-hmm. and then if the book is just straight black no blurb nothing and then it's just 
bit of introduction maybe obviously just to give a little synopsis of what it's about then i'd be like okay you know what this might be this might be interesting because now kind of thinking about a lot of similar books do kind of look the same in a way Mm. you know because i did i've I've been to like that uh, there's a place in Marlborough called don't i think that's how you say it don't books um and the like you can kind of see all the medieval ones kind of look the same they'll have a sword in it maybe a rose maybe a bit of armor and then you're like okay cool i know this is going to be about that but then it's kind of like okay is there something a bit different yeah Mm. um that's so interesting also are just different i guess because i think i'm sorry (laughs) no 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 i was gonna say i think people are some readers weirdly or not weirdly but like conversely really like the fact that some books just look similar so like they're like they know they're getting their medieval sword yeah soldier yeah yeah i feel like for the majority of people that'll be okay yeah and i used to work at like mills and boone which is a romance publisher like and they publish so many books like 40 a month or something and a lot of their covers were quite similar and i think like there's just certain cues that readers will like see. So maybe if they see like, I don't know, like a corset for a Regency, they'll like pick it up because they're like, oh, I like historical books. So maybe for some people, <laughs> it's a plus, basically. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, 100%. I, th- I think that's just, that's what I'm saying. Like, even for me, that's because if I was to put a book out and like I said, that's, I wouldn't know where to even go with the design. And I feel like, I don't know, it, that would just, maybe create mis- mystery but then again probably someone wiser than me someone such as yourself will probably be like yeah um a lot of people might not even touch this because they do want to kind of know what it is that they want to they want to read yeah. um and i also kind of wanted to so i just kind of wanted to also uh bring it back to the book uh the main character all right let me just give a quick premise actually as well for for people that haven't or don't know about the book it's essentially about the main character called shirin it's shirin yeah yep. yeah yeah um and she's from she's moved from hull to london to work as a publisher um essentially having her dream job in air quotes mm-hmm. um and then she kind of realizes that not everything is as smooth sailing as she thought things would be and in the middle of all of that she meets someone of her past uh, is it is it kian or kian or Ki- is it am i is, are they both wrong it's kian kian yeah okay yeah kian who's also iranian um from her hometown in hull uh which she was surprised to see because they stopped talking after 10 years uh so then now it's kind of her navigating through that and all the past feelings that she bottled up kind of coming out again through seeing him as well as all the microaggressions and the, the problems that's going on in her current life um i wanted to kind of know because obviously you, you're from Hull. Mm. um were the because she experiences a lot of racism back home was in in Hull. was was it same for you or was it kind of like how much of it was kind of based around you or was it a lot just like kind of loosely based off of your life yeah i think a lot of it you know it's fiction so a lot of it was like very loosely based on my own life yeah but there definitely was a lot of racism in hull when i was there 
um yeah. like i was saying to you before it was like it's a very then it was very kind of white especially at school i think i was like one of like three people of color in all the school so i can't think yeah i think people were quite there was a lot of very racist people basically not to the extent that you see in the book to me personally yeah. um but it wasn't like off the realm of yeah yeah <laughs> it wasn't like yeah it definitely would happen um yeah it wasn't like a stretch no no and i think it is kind of like these yeah. smaller cities that are very like kind of not very diverse that is kind of like the consequence of it i think especially in the time period because i think it is like when is it like 2018 or 2017 in the books i think yeah yeah things felt quite dire then so that was kind of like how it was yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh well, I think that was uh very funny as well and very relatable mm. was that uh she her and her colleague at the publisher who's also um ethnic mm. have that thing where they go, Oh yeah, you have that you know, you put on that posh white voice. Mm. I was gonna say, do you have one or are you pretty good with the voice that you have now? I do have one actually. I think <laughs> I had to do like a video for like a pushing thing. Are we able to hear it? <laughs> it's not it's not that dramatic, but it's definitely not my normal voice. <laughs> I feel like it's just a bit posher. But no, you can't hear it. <laughs> I do have a posher voice. But then I think everyone, a lot of people do. I feel like I've spoken to other people and they all put on like a bit of a voice. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about the book. Mm. Um now, of course, I wanted to kind of bring up essentially the main premise because it was all about, actually, I just remember, it was all about Hull and, um, mm-hmm. and and sort of the racism kind of there. And I wanted to kind of talk about the premise of the book, the title of the book, People Change. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, not to spoil anything, um, a lot of it is some racist stuff that uh, the main character, Shirin, has experienced 10 years ago from the hands of a certain person that she was, I guess, traumatized by, um, called Rob Grayson. And uh, I'm just trying to tiptoe around it because I'm kind of like, is is that chat kind of important? But she's speaking to her friend mm. and, um, her, and she's telling her, her about what he did you know all those years ago and this and that and her friend who's who's british and and now white she kind of doesn't really understand the depth of it um and she says about the guy oh like this happened 10 years ago just to like move on mm. like he's changed now and i kind of wanted to bring that up in terms of like to play sort of i guess the devil's advocate in at is there a certain time where you can forgive or mm. is it like kind of that school bullying and racism and the trauma that was inflicted upon you to, because she does kind of make a fair point in terms of holding on to that will only hurt you more, mm. but also on the other side, letting go of it. Like how long would you say is a healthy amount to kind of hold on to trauma that you've experienced in the past like at the hands of racism specifically i guess i I think yeah i think you i think it depends because i guess in the book the rob character 
he hasn't changed. I guess is the point is that like yeah, you know her friend is sex. I guess for people that haven't read it, Shirin, the main character, has there's someone from her past at school who bullied her quite badly. Well, he was yeah. part of the bullying group. He now is a comedian and he's doing amazingly and he's continuing making like racist jokes. Um, yeah. But because they're jokes, everyone's kind of like not really taking it that seriously. Yeah. I guess the difference is with this is that while her friend who is white and British kind of, she thinks he's changed now. Like he's a comedian, like he's not doing, he's not being a bully anymore. She's not seeing yeah. that the jokes actually are racist and damaging in another way. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's kind of in the book, the main character, like, he hasn't changed. He's just the same, but this time he's now famous with an mm. amazing book deal, and he's just encouraging other people to be racist and make racist jokes. Yeah. So I guess from like her perspective, it's hard to move on when the person is not. It's kind of still happening. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess like generally speaking, I think you know it's healthy to let go of things that hurt you. But mm. I guess it's like, and I guess. But I think the character isn't very healthy in her approach to things either. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Of course, because, I mean, there's obviously even another... Because, I mean, it kind of does bring up that point of that she struggles with certain friends of hers because they don't understand, I guess, the gravity of what the bullying felt like. Because mm. although they were their friends, they never really received that level of you know hurt or trauma or, or bullying that she did so it's kind of I guess in a way she's not seeing it as that deep because mm. it hasn't scarred her whereas it scarred the the main character obviously and yeah. um, it, there's also like another character in there that isn't a comedian but she also remembers him as someone that was also part of that kind of group and she kind of holds on to mm. I guess I don't know, I wouldn't say the venom, but the kind of, uh, what's it called, that that hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to ask, essentially, can people truly change? That's a good question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think they can change. And I think, I think they can change. I think you are quite different to how you were at school, um, when mm. you should be. Um, but I think you know, you can go in two directions. Either you can change as in, like, you'll become even worse than you were in certain views, kind of like this character, yeah. Rob. I think in the book, he seems quite... He's kind of just a jokester in the school. He he isn't necessarily the instigator of everything bad that happens. He's just kind of, yeah. like, leaning in. So I think he takes it kind of too far in the sense that he becomes... He starts, like, spewing hate online, and he's yeah. changed in that way, that, like, he's now become, like, the main issue yeah whereas i think some people change for the better i think you definitely basically yeah i think you can change um mm. but i think it's not a given that you'll change i think you've got to work to change or like maybe change yeah. your environment and see other because it's a very normal thing especially with like now and cancel culture mm. it's kind of like sometimes a, a tweet that you put out like 2012 would mm. could sometimes be a career ending thing and, you know, and the person might be like, oh, I've changed from that. But then again, people aren't necessarily able to accept that. Mm. Um, and it's kind of a case of like, at what point is it actions that make people go, okay, you know what, this person's changed? Mm. Or was it kind of like just understanding, okay, it was a long time ago. Like, where does 
is there a way to come back from the cancel realm in people's eyes? <laughs> like once you get put in that shadow realm of you're cancelled, is there is there a way to, you know, mm. come back from that? I mean, I don't know. I feel like yes. I think within the time, probably. I think it's hard mm. when, like you were saying, if right now someone saw a tweet from someone 10 years ago yeah, and then they were cancelled for that, that's just a bit, that's a bit, yeah. And, it's hard then yeah. because, yeah, they're not doing it now. It happens a lot. It happens a yeah. lot too fast. I mean, people, like, that's how Kevin Hart lost his Oscars uh, thing when he was about to host it. Oh. Well, he didn't lose it. He stepped down from it because people wanted him to apologise for like some homophobic comments mm. um and he said that he has been doing it he has been apologizing he's apologized yeah. enough before and he said i don't want to basically kind of do it um so i don't know i think i think it's um an interesting one it's a interesting case how you basically kind of put that in the book in terms of mm. the fine line between freedom of speech and the line where you're crossing between actually offending someone yeah because you know, that's what a lot of people do they just hide behind that umbrella of it's freedom of speech but you've mm. just disrespected someone's whole you know person yeah and the thing is it's really damaging as well because it's like with like the whole comedian kind of route he thinks it's like a joke people are laughing yeah. he's not taking it seriously but it is because people take all that the people take what you say in and they start to just believe it I think yeah. that's the issue. it's like people are sponges whether we like it or not like yeah. When you look up to says something enough times, you're gonna start to believe it. Sadly, yeah, of course. Like, Especially if they say it in a jokey way, then yeah. that whole thing becomes less like important. Not important, but like it becomes it loses this kind of gravity mm. because it's like been made light of. Exactly. By the comedian. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting one though because it's one that I'm doing the US edits for this book. It's coming out in the US mm. next year, and yeah. doing edits on it it's going to be different and it's made me think about the characters like the three bullies yeah. <laughs> and maybe i'm being a bit harsh to them in the book i don't know like <laughs> there's one of them that he i remember his name myself but it's not rob um and it's not the one that's like really a bully it's kind of the one that's there's the the owen yeah i can't even remember his name myself but <laughs> i think it was i think it was owen <laughs> i don't think it was owen imagine if i've just I made up it's not a name I feel like I'd make a character. Is it Tom? It might <laughs> be. Oh, he's very minor. Like, he's so minor. I've, yeah. the author, I've forgotten about him. But he essentially just follows <laughs> back. Yeah. I don't know whether it's fair that she's also against him. But I guess it's, like, in your trauma. I think you're talking about the the guy that she sees at the party. Yes, yeah, so the guy that she sees. It's there at, like, the New Year's Eve club yeah and yeah him and he's kind of like yeah. realize anything that they've got any yeah that's that's who i was talking about before in terms of uh, can people actually change I thought but i kind of forgot his name no no, no 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 it was him oh I was see. The, yeah because he, he kind of like like you said he was kind of following the pack but she brushed them all kind of the in the same light yeah. and for the rob one it, it makes sense but for for him it's kind of like you know can you accept he's changed or you know yeah. well I guess with him he's not 
I guess I think as a reader, you can get he's changed, he's different. But I guess if you're the yeah. person that's been hurt, he's never said to her, like, apologize. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. acknowledged it. Everyone just says, oh, it's 10 years, he's changed. But I guess you'll find out in the book the repercussions of the things that they did were mm. quite life changing for these characters. So, like, I don't think yeah. saying nothing is enough sometimes. But I think, like, objectively, yes, people can change. Yeah. For that guy. That's anyway. a nice way of. It's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> uh, no, but to to finally kind of talk about on, on the book before we, we wrap up, uh, the last few points was kind of like I I really appreciated how much culture you put in there, mm-hmm. um, how much religion as well that you put in there, because for me, for me, especially from what I've read, it's like I haven't read a, a book where Islam is used as the sign of positivity as in they were using islam islam for good mm. um rather than just the thing that's kind of out there in the book like mm. the kian yeah Ki- Kian, yeah kian. as it like him like his his brother become a muslim and that's mm-hmm. portrayed as that was what made him feel better mm. the uh, main character shirin when she comes back to like trying to be i guess more involved in her religion that she starts to find the peace i found that really refreshing if i'm honest because it's kind of like islam is used as a token but it's never kind of used as the the thing that actually helps characters if that makes sense and um i was going to say how how in touch would you say you were you are with your iranian culture yeah with my iranian culture I don't think a great deal, like, I don't think I'm massively in touch with it. I think, sadly, mm. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like when we moved to Hull, there wasn't really an Iranian culture, like, there wasn't yeah. a culture there. And I was there for 16 years, so I think my family never really, like, they didn't know that many Iranians, like, we weren't really involved in much. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's, like, sometimes it happens with immigrants where they kind of just want you to, like, I'd, I guess adopt English culture, but also not do mm. certain English things. It's kind of like a weird. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I do, in between. Yeah, so I kind of feel like a bit yeah. like I don't know that much, but I try to bring it more out in my writing. Yeah. I think you'd see in the mismatch, it's half of it set in Iran, so you get more of the Iranian culture. So I feel like I'm learning yeah. it as I'm growing up. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you said about the thing about kind of using, or the characters using Islam to kind of find peace, because that's something that. I've definitely found like with like my Muslim friends, like when I spend time with them or like when like I find comfort in that. So I kind of wanted to share that in the book yeah. as well. This character. Yeah. She has so Especially many. Especially with Miriam. Yeah, with Mariam, yeah. yes. Mariam. She kind of brings her comfort. So I kind of wanted to share that. Yeah, no, that like I said, that was really refreshing to see because mm-hmm. it wasn't like I, I mean obviously I wasn't expecting you to use it negatively, but it mm-hmm. wasn't also like brushed aside because obviously if you're Iranian you can assume they're also Muslim Mm. Um, but it was the fact that it was brought to the forefront of a positive change Mm. of like of like Mariam being um, a positive person in her life actually helping out when you know her and her friend and like I said that was a lot of it in this book was refreshing Um, it was so well put together so many like different things but before I kind of round up on the book, I just want to know that you said there's, there's a, obviously her grandma is called Mama, is it Bozrog? It's Mama Bozrog. Oh, Bozrog. 
can you hear me? It's yeah, no, I'm not yeah. having it. <laughs> so essentially, <laughs> Momon means mom. Yeah. Bazog means big in Farsi. It's kind of like oh, big mom. Yeah, basically. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry. I butchered that then. No, no, it's hard. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my. The whole time I was reading, I was like, Bozorog. And I was like, ay, ay, ay. You said it pretty right. But... <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, then I don't feel as bad. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was right the whole time. Um, <laughs> but no, like I said, this is an, it's an incredible book. Um, so many different things that are weaved in together. The London life. Um, also, the beginning part about gentrification was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I had that fine balance between having the estates right next to these new kind of coffee shops and, and whatnot, um, and how she feels guilty but actually likes them being there. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people say they relate to that, and I'm like, okay, so <laughs> I relate to that as well. <laughs> in a bad way i don't know if i should but you know i was like yeah that's that's fair that's fair <laughs> um but no it's a beautifully written book um from start to finish um a very easy read not in the sense that it's simplistic but because of how well it, it flowed um between everything between her life in london her culture back home her religion her past her present her future everything so and if you, i really really recommend everyone grab this book and read it it's it's amazing and you did a really really great job i'm happy to be able to speak to you as a fan now i've <laughs> i've become a fan over the few weeks um but i just wanted to round up by by saying that obviously you started token magazine mm. um i just kind of wanted to know a bit more of that yeah sure so um so this was i started token magazine in like 2017 um and at that point, I think in publishing, they were speaking a lot about being more diverse, like even more than they were now. But I think then yeah. action wasn't being made at all. Like at least now, I think you can definitely see things are happening. Um, yeah. I felt quite frustrated with it. And I also couldn't get, I was trying to get a publishing job and I was kind of struggling. So I just decided to create my own like magazine um, yeah. kind of independently and see what happens. But I did like the first open call for submissions for like writing by underrepresented writers and artists and I got so many submissions so it was really kind of positive um yeah since then we've been doing like one issue a year um and it's just kind of like different themes but essentially it's a magazine that showcases writing and artwork by underrepresented writers and artists um and usually it tends to be kind of newer writers and artists who are kind of starting out in their career and kind of just to showcase their work and kind of just I guess as well like I don't know I think a lot of the time, like we were saying, it's really hard to break into the industry. So just having like something that's a bit more DIY um, yeah. and people can get like direct feedback on their work and things like that, I think can be quite helpful. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Especially for someone that's trying to figure out how to even get involved in this. It's a nice mm. little way of, you know, getting involved and easier way than the whole, you know, daunting experience by doing it through, through other means and a publishing place that actually appreciates, you know, mm. that kind of work um yeah. and is there anything recent that you've got going on because i know you said that you uh you finished the draft on your book the latest book uh yeah any... <laughs> it's very to be confirmed i don't know if it... yeah <laughs> so there's nothing upcoming that's happening but i guess yeah. but if you have any american listeners um people change will be out next year 
under a different title. Yeah, just quickly, um, how come do you have to change it for Americans? Um, I think this happens quite often, but essentially they want to make it work more for their market. So, like, there were just certain things that I think American readers would appreciate more than UK readers. Uh, yeah. Or just even That's just like, the editors have their own vision as well. So I think the editor I ended up going with, she's amazing, and she had, like, a real vision for certain things. Mm. So it is kind of small changes, but, I mean, the title's going to be different. Um, it's called It Wasn't Meant to Be Like This. Um, okay. So it's different. I think it'll have, like, a different cover, like, a different vibe. Yeah. Quite interesting to see what happens with it. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, but thank you very much for for coming on. No, I really, really appreciate you. No, 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 it was amazing. Um, it felt very easy and it flowed very, very nicely. But yeah. obviously, that comes from your fantastic book. To be fair, it made so many great points of conversation to talk about. But like I said, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Um, and 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 sitting with me and being very patient and uh yeah no this was amazing great thank so you so thank much. you very much it's been it's been an amazing episode <laughs> thanks for listening to the paper charles podcast if you like this episode please leave a review comment like and subscribe and be sure to follow us on all our socials keep moving keep growing keep learning see you at work